The TV show is now available on Amazon, running the Triple Crown. Ryan Clayton and I collaborated on this project. Six episodes, they're all available now on Amazon, so check that out if you get a chance. Hi, this is Adam Mary, and welcome to the Training for Ultra podcast. If we could just free ourselves of our perceived limitations and tap into our internal fire, the possibilities are endless. I'll tell you about it when it happened in the race, but to be honest with you, it happened even before the race. It happened in the training. A great cause. Oh, thank you. I respect that, man, so you keep doing what you do it, man. Keep inspiring. Jam Jam, Jamil Curry here from Air Viper Running, and welcome to the Training for Ultra podcast. For all you kids out there, stay safe and stay strong. Hey, everyone. It's the Training for Ultra podcast. Scott Jurek here. I was physically totally wrecked. I I had nothing left. I figured I might as well move as quickly as possible towards the finish line if I was going to be moving towards it anyways. How do you even do that? Decided if I could, you know, finish a 50 miler, I could probably run across the country. Right now, I'd say that my beers per day is still higher than my miles (laughs) per day that I'm running. 100 miles is not that far. Hey, this is Carl Meltzer, the Speed Goat, and I want to welcome everybody to the Training for Ultra podcast. Welcome to episode 145 of the Training for Ultra podcast. My name is Rob. I also go by Training for Ultra, and we have a really great episode with a young gun, Adam Mary. Just a really smart, interesting guy that I think you'll just enjoy hearing about. Let's first check in with the show sponsors. Big thank you to Hammer Nutrition. If you haven't tried them out, feel free to use my referral code, promo code 252888 to save 15% off your first order. I just tried out some Exoskin socks. They sent me some fresh ones. Oh my gosh. Uh... Definitely check out Exoskin. Check out the show notes for a discount code. And I just, I forgot what a fresh pair of Exoskins feels like. I mean, I've had some since Moab 240 of 2018 that I still wear, but nothing like getting a fresh pair. Uh, So big thanks to Croy for sending those out. But they got a bunch of different color options now. And I got some... It's weird to get excited about white socks because I haven't worn white running socks, I think, basically ever. But check them out. They have just high-quality all-around gear. Big thank you to Kogala. I've gotten a lot of requests on what light do I recommend during just big efforts, 24 hours, 48 hours, multi-day type efforts. And Kogala is what I personally favor. I mean, it's kind of earth shattering when you put a Kogala light on a waist belt and you can move your head around during the nighttime, but the settings of that light can get so bright that it's kind of game changing. It it changes your mental attitude at night a lot of times and really helps you see on technical terrain. Can't recommend them enough. I'm thankful they're a sponsor for sure, but I would, it's hard to not use a Kogala light after you use that one honestly. Big thank you to Destination Trail. They got a ton of races, virtual races. Um, Listeners should definitely check out. If you get a chance, 
got those trademark belt buckles at stake. I think they have one of the longest virtual races available. So I know there's been a lot of races canceled this year, but Destination Trail is continuing to put on some really cool virtual races. So check them out. Last but not least, Patreon supporters. Giant thank you to Brian Sands. He is now um, one of the, the major sponsors within Patreon. Just huge huge supporter. Richard Murray, too. Both of those guys are just crushing it. I really, really appreciate them. And then still within this big shout-out list, David, Brian, Meg, Landon, Pat, Joseph, Ray, Todd and Matthew, you guys are in the shout out tier. I really, really appreciate you guys. And hopefully we can have you all on again. Maybe have another Patreon kind of group chat here coming up soon. But regardless, if you're donating a hundred dollars a month or a dollar a month, I mean, it's all going towards inspiring content for you guys. So I really, really appreciate you making this all possible and all work. All right, this is where I goof it up, so we'll see how this goes. Sweet. I'm sure you'll nail it. I'm joined here by a super fast, talented guy, Adam Mary, first time on our podcast, along with Alyssa Clark as co-host. Adam, thanks for joining us on the Train for Ultra podcast. Thanks for having me on, Rob. I'm really excited to be here. I, I keep seeing you more and more for some reason, Adam. I had to reach out, man. You... um. You, you run with two of my slowest friends uh, that I know. You guys have been hitting up the trails quite frequently. And oh, yeah. uh, you, you've had some really great results. And I just had to hear more about your story, more about your running. Just want to learn as much as I can from you today. Sweet, man. I'm excited to chat. And I'll start it off by just asking you like, who you run for, if you want to shout out some sponsors real briefly. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, I run on, um, rabbit elite trail. Um, I'm sure, you know, rabbit, they make really awesome clothing and have a super cool community. Um, and then I run, uh, for ultra as well. Awesome. And I mean, Adam, have you always been a runner? I'll start this off real early. Like, have you, have you just been fast and talented throughout your life and you're just jumping Uh, on the trails to continue on or, or what's what's well, your background like with athletics it's a good question it's a good question yeah so i've been um i guess uh, an athlete my whole life um i started off i think maybe one of the first sports i played was like soccer um and i actually played competitive soccer like all the way up until high school um but yeah like i just grew up playing kind of traditional american you know sports like baseball uh soccer football uh, and then like, you know, skateboarding and inline skating back when that was a, a thing. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I was I, uh, there with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As a direct correlation of speed and inline skating. I know it, <laughs> you know, it could be, yeah, that it could be, um, we're all, we're all skaters by the way. That's kind of a weird fact. That is funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know it, it went, went out of style a little bit, but, um, yeah, it's OG. Um, but yeah, no, I've, I've always loved to be active and move fast. And, um, so I think that's why I was drawn to like sports on wheels. Um, I, I was also really into mountain biking. Um, but then, yeah, I think, uh, in high no middle school, I guess was my first introduction to running. Um, I was, I had the idea, Oh, I'll join this competitive, uh, like traveling track team called the Monterey Bay Jaguars. 
Um, and we would compete up in the Bay Area, and it was just a rude awakening to the the speed in California. There's so many fast people, and I remember just having like just terrible race. I mean, fine races, but just like um, getting beat really badly by a lot of fast people. So yeah, um, relatively I, speaking, it was yeah, uh, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And I used to run the 100 and 200, and so I ran track in high school as well and played football. Um, but, and then I played, uh, football in D3, uh, college as well. Nice. Wow. What position were you, were you? (laughs) Well, so I, uh, I got recruited to play defensive back, um, like cornerback. And then, uh, I actually transitioned though to slot receiver on offense. I liked playing both sides of the ball. Very cool. Yeah. No, no professional inline skating career prior to that. No, no, I was never that good. My biggest claim to fame was maybe um, remember those half pipes with like a spine in the middle is like two half ba- half pipes like back to back. Yeah, I could like transition over those. That was like Oof. the pinnacle of my skating career. That just sounds super dangerous for anyone with my uh, coordination skills. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh yeah, it was. <laughs> so, uh, how did you go from a football player to then getting into long distance running? Um, I. It was a quite of uh, an interesting transition. So yeah, I played football in college, and then after I graduated, um, kind of got into rock climbing and didn't really run much. Um, but then uh, I met a guy who ended up becoming uh, one of my best friends, who was a marathoner uh, my age, you know. But he'd run the Boston Marathon several times, and one day he asked if I wanted to go on a run, and I was like, oh yeah, sure, like it'd be a great way to kind of get back in shape and um he said it was going to be like a four mile run and then it ended up being an eight mile trail run um but it it ended up being like totally doable and it was really fun and uh i ran uh on trails that i'd never been on in my hometown and it was like wow that's really cool i've always loved being in nature um i did some backpacking trips with my dad when i was younger i was in boy scouts and so it was just a really um that was like my intro to running was like trail running as an adult. And so I really connected with it on many different levels and then kind of just, uh, you know, the typical half marathon 50 K and then into longer distance stuff from there. Did, did that first run kind of spark the, uh, the old Tony Hawk side of you? Like (laughs) kind of like the daredevil, like flying down the hill um, Killing off the rocks. I don't know. I think I had the the fitness to do that at that point. I was wearing like Nike Freeze and basketball shorts, so I was uh, <laughs> just trying to keep up with my friend. But uh, yeah, no, that came later. I think. Okay. And I mean, walk us through the progression. Like, so from that eight mile trail run, were you just next week, like, um, you know, getting some trail shoes, or was it? A month later, yeah. you tried it again, and and just walk us through how you even found more of the community and the race scene and all that stuff. Man, yeah. Well, so um, I think back then, I didn't, I didn't even, and this was probably five years ago now, um, but I didn't even like know about ultras really, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I kind of kept up running. I, I don't know, maybe like ten miles a week or something, like not in any kind of structured way. Um, but then me and my buddy went on a, um, went on a climbing trip and on the way back from the climbing trip, I asked him, you know, I was like, man, like, 
maybe I'll do a half marathon. Um, how fast do you think I could run a half marathon? Cause I'm, I'm very like goal oriented and I've always enjoyed challenges. So, um, my friend kind of thought about it for a second and he was like, you know, I bet, I bet if you trained, I bet you could go sub 130. And I was like, I didn't re- even really know like what that meant in terms of pace or whatever. And I was just like, okay, like sub 130, that's, that's the goal. Like I'm going to try to do that. Um, and so I think maybe I trained for a couple months, maybe like maybe two months. Um, and then did the Monterey Bay half marathon, which is a beautiful course. I'm not sure if you guys have been to Monterey, but it's just like right on the water. It's really uh, beautiful, relatively flat. And Super, I came in, go ahead. Oh, oh yeah. I was just saying I, I came in like right under, um, one like maybe one twenty nine or something. And so that was like met that first goal and kind of got hooked on like the race experience, you know, the announcer was like counting people down as, as I was getting close to the finish line. Cause it was like a minute left until one thirty, Um, and I did it and I remember I dug deep to get that done and it was, uh, I don't know from there. It was just like, man, next stop 50 K, you know, <laughs> <laughs> half around the 50 K. Are you from the Monterey Bay area? Yeah. I actually, uh, grew up in Monterey, uh, then went to college down in Claremont, um, the inland empire down in Southern California. And then came back to Monterey and ended up working at the Monterey Bay Aquarium, which which is where I still work. Oh my gosh, I'm moving there in December to Monterey. Are you so really? Yeah, we'll have to catch up. You will. I'll, I'll run your dust, but I'll pretend uh, that no, I'm close to you. <laughs> you'll love it. I'll give you all the beta for the for the local trails. There's some really awesome. great, awesome trails there. Um, and I, but I'm not sure if you know. I actually live in Golden now, so I work remotely for the Monterey Bay Aquarium. But I'll I'll be back uh, to do projects and stuff. Um, so maybe we can hook up when we're there. Yeah, absolutely. That would be amazing. I would love love that. Awesome. Um, so you went half marathon to 50k. That's that sounds like the ultra runners I know. Like yep, yeah. You can run 13. You can run 31. Well, I know that's the thing, right? It's like okay, well, and and when you're, I was you know in, very inexperienced, and so it was kind of just like. Oh yeah, well, you know, it's only twice as much as a half marathon, um, and then a little bit more, you know, five miles, and that's not that far, and uh, and it's on trails, so it'll be softer, you know. So it'll probably be easier. Like, exactly, it'll probably be easier. It's only like forty five hundred feet of vert. I I don't even know. That can't be that bad. Um, and so I did this. Uh, actually, it was like uh, I think maybe two months later. It was on January first the Woodside Trail Run up in um, Woodside, which is kind of in the Santa Cruz Mountains, and uh, beautiful redwood trails, actually probably the best case scenario because it was really soft, um, like loamy trails. And uh, yeah, that was crazy. That was really hard. Um, <laughs> that was a lot harder than I thought it would be. I did finish. I did pretty pretty well, all things considered, given that I had not really trained that much for it. Um, but it was kind of a classic, like, intro to ultra marathoning you know like went out too hard was like oh this is going great you know like kind of going fast on the downhill and then like guys who are like in their 50s and 60s just passing me at the end you know Um, but I got it done I think it took about five hours but that really got me hooked on like that was so epic you know and my friend who actually had encouraged me to run that half marathon ran this 50k with me so it was a really cool like experience I didn't feel like I was out there alone and like I didn't I didn't really have a low point I mean it was like physically there were some low points but mentally it was very like um positive you know positive experience 
I mean, I'm so amazed. It's almost like mentally you told yourself you're going to run this sub 130 half. Yeah. And really not even knowing what that meant. You've already, your body developed to do that because you didn't yep. know anything else. Yeah. Which, I mean, typically it takes some serious training to, to get to that level of speed and endurance uh, for, for a half marathon. It's impressive that you were able to just decide to do it in a month or two of, of training. It's very, yeah, it was, it was crazy. Looking back on it, it's like, man, I think it was probably just the, you know, over a decade, many years of like just being very active that probably allowed that to happen. And I ha came from like a sprint background, you know? Um, mm -hmm. So I don't, yeah, but I don't know. It was, uh, I probably got lucky on that first one, you know, but I, I did a half marathon like maybe a year ago um, and that I had been training a lot more for. And so it, it takes a lot more work. <laughs> Yeah, to try those faster times. And so, how did you follow up your first fifty k experience? I mean, oh, were dude, you like, I need some more story? Yeah, I, I want to hear it. Let's hear it. Oh man, okay. So, following up the fifty k, I yeah, I went straight. So, because I had jumped <laughs> from half marathon to fifty k, I was like, all right, cool. So, like, <laughs> draw let's linear. Do let's do a hundred k. How hard? You know what? I love the mountains. Let's do one in Colorado. So I signed up for the Never Summer 100K, um, which I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with it, but it's a pretty like badass 100K. Rob, it's like, Rob knows well. Yeah, I, li I lined up at that race with you. Oh, dude. Okay, so yeah. I mean, I'm sure, yeah, you probably were like smoking me because it, it did no, not go well. No, no, no. It but, was the uh, second try for me. Oh, my yeah. God. It did not go well. But, but you know, it's beautiful country um, out there in the Never Summer Mountains and State Forest State Park. But that, you know, it's super high. It's like the average altitude is like 10.5, I think, for the whole race. It's, it's deceiving. It's super high. And I was coming to sea level. Yeah. I had never done a 100K. I didn't do a 50 miler. <laughs> and, uh, you know, That's... I had some good training. At that point, I had done like some 50 mile weeks, which at that point was like, okay, I'm out here, you know, like I'm putting in the work. But, um, you know, in retrospect, like I think I could have got it. Well, so yeah. I started the race, went out too hard, which, and I had no experience running at altitude. So it was like, you really pay for it if you go into the red early. Um, I and yeah, so that was like a big mistake. <laughs> those, those Jeep roads at like 10, five, yep. uh, oh. maybe mile 10, you're feeling good. Oh. You know, like everyone's clipping off like a fast mile or two right there. Deadly, yep. deadly. Yep. Did you get to North diamond? Oh yeah, dude, that was How, crazy. Can you walk I, walk me through that climb? <laughs> oh my god, dude. Yeah. So okay, so I I think you come through mile like seventeen right before you do that climb, right? I think and, so. Yeah. Yeah. So my crew, my wife was there, and my parents actually came out too because they were like, "Oh my gosh, you're doing this big race! Like we all want to see." That's like another story. Oh, no. <laughs> based on the wheels falling off later, but um. Yeah, so I saw my wife, and I had been thinking, like, okay, I'm in really good shape, relatively speaking, for back then. And I was like, okay, like, maybe I'll be coming through, like, pretty early. And it, and I was, like, already behind schedule in my mind there. And I was like, dude, this is hard. <laughs> this is really hard, you know? Um, and so leaving that aid station, I remember just knowing that there was a big climb coming up, North Diamond Peak. And, dude, that... I think if there was like this, like maybe a mile of it, like when you kind of break out above tree line, that's just 
super steep mm-hmm. and I didn't have poles. I'd never used poles. And I, dude, I think that climb took me like 58 minutes. I remember clicking <laughs> off like a 58 minute mile and just being like, Yikes. what's going on? dude?" Like, <laughs> that did not so, go well. <laughs> no, it did not go well. Right. And I was just like dying, you know, from the altitude. And, um, I think that tops out around like 12,000 feet or something like that. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure where you were in the race at this point, but there was, there was some weather rolling in. Um, I was right up there actually. That's in my book. That's really weird. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh man. Well, I don't know what your experience was with that weather, but again, like my inexperience manifesting in this race, dude, I had a windbreaker, (laughs) a windbreaker. No, no Gore-Tex jacket. I just had like a little windbreaker. And so when that hit, there was like a freaking hailstorm that came through and a lightning storm. And I was like, it wasn't, it was after North Diamond Peak. But there was like another mountain pass that we had to do. And I got like pinned down um, kind of with this group of people. Like before you go over this pass and there's like this big boulder field. And then after that, there's like a, a water only aid station. I don't know if you remember that. I, I'm not sure what the aid station is called. The, there. the out and back turn around? Thing? No, before no, that. Before, before that? that? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. That, that weather rolled in. And dude, I put my windbreaker on, but it was like super cold raining and we sat there for probably like dude probably like 40 minutes just under in this little stand of trees waiting for the hail and lightning to stop okay and yeah i got like really hypothermic and uh i was like i had no jacket you know and like everyone else with a jacket is shivering too and so i remember when i left there i had to like i just started running as fast as i could to try to get my temperature up yep and i think all of these different factors just kind of obviously led to like the wheels falling off at mile 45 and I ended up DNFing, but like it was an amazing experience, you know, like it was just the full value experience, you know, like weather being high up, amazingly beautiful country and just awesome community. And like the aid station volunteers were so kind and supportive and yeah, I don't know. That was that. And that's what set the hook in, in making me want to move to Colorado, which nice. I just earlier this so, year. This is a very specific question, but this will put everything in, in my head, like kind of line things up. Where were you during the one big lightning strike that hit the side of the mountain? Do you remember that? Oh, dude. There was one was... giant one that was like freakishly close to everyone. Yeah, and I, I was, I was in the burnt out section where there. Do you remember there was no trees in a certain area? Yes, I do. That's right <laughs> where I was when that lightning hit the side of the mountain. <laughs> oh my god, dude! Yeah, I I was huddled under the. It, I was in that stand of trees with those people, um, and okay. I was just so I hadn't gone, I hadn't quite gone over the pass yet, you know. So like that whole boulder field that was to come, where it was like half a yeah. mile of boulders, I hadn't gone over that yet. <laughs> okay. That's crazy, man. We were both in that same storm. That was, but that, that of all events was what brought you to Colorado. Yeah, <laughs> I man. love it. It was, it was amazing, you know, and like just those mountains are, I mean, at least for me, you know, I've gotten out a little bit since I've been living here for the last six weeks, but it was just like iconic Colorado. You know, it's like the, the weather at noon, like the big mountains, the trees, the rivers, like, I don't know. It was just like, amazing and so different than coastal California um that I just yeah I don't know and I like I kept pushing it out of my mind you know because I like my family's from Monterey I worked at the Monterey I still work at the Monterey Bay Aquarium but like 
you know, it was like, oh man, like, I don't know. I don't know if I can make this move happen. And then it just ended up, uh, ended up happening. But yeah, I mean, Colorado is a super, super great place to live. I mean, it seems like you made it back for Indian Creek 50, which is, yep. you like all these stupid hard races. I mean, <laughs> well, I just don't think I knew that like how hard they were going to be. And back then I was trying to, um, again, right. Like trying to bite off more than I can chew. I was trying to get points to enter UTMB. Um, <laughs> I, so I love think it. I was like a five pointer <laughs> yeah. and I was, and I needed it. So I did, yeah, I did like the Smith rock 50 miler and then Indian Creek, like pretty close to each other to get the points. But dude, that, yeah, that was another really hard, um, hard race. It went obviously better than never summer, but, um, yeah, it was beautiful, hard, cold. It was like, I think it snowed like the, a couple days after that. And that was it. So I, I got to just ask about two other races because we were both at the start lines together. That's probably oh, yeah. the only time I ever saw you because you're so oh. fast. Um, Black Canyon 100K. Seems oh. like this is a regular race of yours. So I'm assuming Western States is on your uh-huh. on your uh, target list. But um, are, walk yeah. me walk me through the first first one. And if you learned anything from that first experience that you then rolled into the second experience this year? Yeah, yeah. Great question. So the first, yeah, so Black Canyon was my second attempt at 100K. That was two years ago, right? So, um, yeah, I remember thinking like, uh, you know, I had <laughs> I had tried Never Summer, um, didn't go as well as I would have hoped. I dropped it 45. And then actually after Never Summer, I did the Ray Lakes loop in uh, Kings Canyon because I was like, man, that sucks. Like I really want like to finish a run that I started. So that's like 44 miles, kind of a backcountry loop. It's super beautiful if you ever get the chance to do it. There's all these alpine lakes. Anyway, but I wanted to do 100K. So this that first Black Canyon two years ago was like, okay, like, you know, I think I've got things more dialed. I've got more training under my legs. And I think I was like, Oh, maybe I can come in the top 20 or some, some arbitrary goal like that, you know? Um, but yeah, that first year, I think it was raining at the start. So I remember like my shoes were just like caked with mud. immediately. (laughs) Yeah. I remember the start line almost blew away. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yes, I do. Yeah. That was crazy. Um, so yeah, started that race and, um, yeah, I think, Daniels took it out hard from the start. Oh, right. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. So Matt, yeah, Matt and Eric and Chris Mako were in that race. Yeah, yeah. So um, I remember seeing them because, yeah, it was that, it was the alternate course. So it got rerouted like we did that like out and back after Black Canyon City. Out so, and back and out and back. And out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that was hard because I, I remember thinking like, I think I came into mile 38 feeling like, oh, yeah, I remember I told my wife who was crewing for me. She's amazing. She, she cruised me for all my races and, um, she, I saw her and she's like, how are you feeling? And I was like, it's, you know, I was was like half tearing up, you know, I was like, you know, it's not going to be pretty, but like, I'm going to get it done, you know? So, uh, I was, she start crying too. I mean, no, I think she was going to be like supportive, you know? And, and, uh, and actually, um, I was moving pretty slowly at that point. So she actually, um, she actually paced me out of Black Canyon City. I, yeah, I haven't like told this story um, for like a few miles. Um, so we ran because that was where the, we turned. Oh, no, I did that out and back to the river. And then when <laughs> I came back, she paced me going back toward um, what was it, like Soap Creek. And then when you're going back toward Gloriana, 
Yeah. She paced for a few miles, um, which was really awesome and nice. Um, and yeah, it, dude, that was hard. So I think that, that, uh, race took me like 10 and a half hours or something, but I finished, you know, and I remember <laughs> just like crossing the finish line, some super nice person who had like met my wife at the aid station, like let me sit down in a chair and I just remember like ha- hold, having that buckle and just being like, dude, like, all right, like I did it. I knew I, I knew I could do it. And, and dude, like 100Ks, 50 milers, like they never get easier. Like they're always hard. You know, you always have to like dig pretty deep to get them done, at least in my experience. So that totally, really like totally. solidified in that race was like, okay, these are hard, but you can do them if you dig deep. <laughs> um, so the wheels yeah. came off that year. I mean, yep. What what modifications did you make? Did you just not go out with Mako and and those elite guys as hard this year, or, or what? Well, what changes dude, did you make? Because you, I mean, yeah. you, you're you're showing progression. Yeah. yeah, you're showing progress. Yeah. Well, so yeah, two years ago that was my first hundred k. So like, I after that I started like training really in earnest with some structure, you know. So I had. At Black Canyon this year, I had had like a solid like year and a half of like, you know, good um, volume in my legs. And um, some I had started to do some structured speed work and, you know, I had like uh, had some success at some shorter races and whatnot. And so coming into Black Canyon this year, um, oh, yeah, like I did a 50 miler at the end of last year. Um, and it went really well. Like it just, it was like one of those days that was just like, everything went awesome. And I like ran a course record and it was awesome. Um, so I had like some confidence coming in this year. My fitness was really high. Um, and man, I had like, you know, (laughs) I had my eyes on a golden ticket, you know, I was like, man, I, I feel like I've kind of like put in the work. I'm fit. Like I want to try to make this happen. And, uh, so this year, like my plan was to run, um, run with that goal in mind, you know, and, uh, it, it was a big learning experience. I would say like probably one of the most, um, I guess like not meaningful, but like maybe one of the races I've learned the most from was Black Canyon this year because, um, you know, a group of like three or four of us like went out pretty hard from the start. I think we clicked like a five fifty eight mile to start the race. Um, you you did. And, yeah. Can I just yeah. can I just throw this out here? Uh, yeah. You looked super confident at the start line. I remember kind of like in the back of my head being like, "Who's the dude in the shades? He's super <laughs> confident. He's just going to throw it down." Like I I hadn't heard of you before. Like I I try to pick out you know top five guys potentially and and dude you were right there in the the start line like because i go to the front take a picture and then i find myself back into the middle of the pack before the start so (laughs) (laughs) yeah well you know not a bad place to start maybe i should have started back there to be honest but uh you started with a sub six minute pace okay started with the sub six and then you know i had told myself like you know start easy, like be conservative, but dude, honestly, just kind of got it's so hard up. to do that. It's so hard to do. Yeah. I just yeah. got caught up in the moment. Like Tyler, Tyler took it out hard, didn't he? 
Well, dude, here's the thing. Like, yeah. an animal. <laughs> yeah, but dude, this is like me getting carried away. Like, so it was like Tyler and Charlie and me, and then Hayden was maybe like a hundred yards off of us after a mile. Not, not good sign. <laughs> God. And I was like, dude, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna kind of like bridge this gap, you know. So I kind of like found myself in second in this like no man's land kind of territory. Um, and Jamil's out there with the camera, and it's like I'm feeling good. I'm tapered, you know. You're fresh, like, and I'm kind of up there like running with not with Hayden, but like he's I can see him, you know. And um, dude, I, yeah, I just basically like ran uh, too hard, like for the I was. I think it was like a minute behind Hayden at like mile 20, you know, like definitely going too hard. Bumblebee. Um, yeah. The yeah. first 20 were stupid fast this year. Oh yeah. Those it was, little rollers are just so easy to crush down. Okay. Totally. And uh, I think like at that point in the day, like the weather was pretty good. Like it wasn't hot yet. And so, yeah, everything was just like going, felt like it was going well. Um, but if I'm honest with myself, you know, it was like, I could kind of, tell like my heart rate was like higher than I wanted it to be but you're in the moment and it's like oh man I'm in second place this is right where I want to be um but yeah man like just the 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 wheels fell off you know at like mile 30 33 or something like you go through this aid station before Black Canyon City and uh Charlie and I were like you know right next to each other he stopped and grabbed water and I didn't stop Oh, which was like oh no. the, da- the dagger, oh, you no. know, because like 10 minutes after that, it just got, I felt like it got like five or 10 degrees warm, you know? And it was like, I ran it out of water. So by the time I got to black Canyon city, I was like dehydrated. And it was just like, dude, it was really hard because over those next like five miles after black Canyon city. So kind of getting into the 40 mile range, it was just like, I could see my goal like which i had worked really hard for i'd put in like a bunch of 100 mile weeks like over the months leading up to it like preparing for this goal and i just watched it slip away you know i was like went from second to third to fourth to fifth to sixth to like way out of contention you know it's like it's not going to happen and um i remember i had a one of my buddies pacing me and uh i was like man like i should just i don't even know if i want to finish but he encouraged me like to finish if I want to finish and you know he's I think he's yeah he's Dan after racer too and he was just like man like you know it's up to you but like if uh I've always felt like much better when I finish even if things aren't going well and so like if you want to and you have it in you like I know you can do it so like you should try to finish and I did you know it it wasn't a fast uh it wasn't as fast as I was hoping for but um I did finish and uh I was really proud of like uh, doing that rather than like uh, just throwing in the towel because my a goal had kind of slipped away. But I definitely learned in this in that race like the that the thing that I needed to that I need to work on that I'm still working on is uh, it's not that I need to practice being more fit because that just comes naturally through training. What I need to practice if I want to like race with some of the best in the world is like racing with elite and pro runners at the front and, and practicing that skill, which I think applies to everyone of like, uh, having confidence in running your own race because exactly. it's so easy to yeah. like kind of jockeying for position to like get caught up in somebody else's race and, uh, lose sight of like the long game because in ultras, Rob, as I'm sure, you know, man, you've run much further than I have, <laughs> 
it's uh, it's just like a war of attrition. People kind of like um, do themselves in over time. And if you can like run conservatively and then close the race strong, you'll do really well. And it's, so that's what I've been. Yeah, I'd rather actually finish like for me again, like in 30th or 40th place and have like a great 5k into the finish or 10k yes. in then yes. have like a 25th spot and yeah. just suffer like no other to get in. Okay. I don't know. Alyssa, are you the same way? Like you've, you've raised uh, some stupid hard races out in, in Europe. Um, I am always of a, I'm not going to go out hard. And then, I get really mad if there are people in front of me. And so I start going too hard. I put myself in a hole and then magically I come out of it. <laughs> so, yeah. Wow. It's, you got to teach me how to get out of it. I usually uh, can't get out. <laughs> believe me, it generally involves some crying, um, yep. potentially a, I don't want to do this, potentially yep. and even a call to my husband, okay. some snacks. And then <laughs> it's like, oh, second half. Now I'm going to race literally every single time. My husband's like, let's get through a race where you don't cry in the middle. That uh, would be great. Like, okay. Hey, crying <laughs> can be uh, a secret weapon, you know? It, honestly, it really can be. Yeah. Um, but I'm actually, I would say I, I can relate to so much of what you're saying um, of kind of believing that you deserve to be up in the elite. But what change in your mindset of just I'm going to finish 100K to – feeling like i really want to give this a shot like i i should be up here i should be trying to do this um well uh, i don't i don't know you know it's um that's a great that's a good do you, question do you even know anything else i mean well yeah i mean i don't know i kind of um in my life like across the board i kind of um like to strive to achieve goals like whatever they are like right. um I used to be a really like avid fingerstyle guitarist and I was like super into that. I studied abroad in Japan. So I like got to play with some of my idols like there. And so I just like, I tend to like, um, really like to try and, um, hone my craft. But one thing that, uh, actually <clears throat> when I started this running journey, like a few years ago, it was actually maybe a year and a half ago when I started like really training and I had some fitness in, in my legs and like, I'd kind of figured out, a little bit of like what it meant to run 50k and beyond it was like dude and this i i don't i don't really like tell people this but like um i tend like one of my biggest challenges in life is like i get like pretty good at a thing and then i get interested in another thing and so i switch to that thing and then so i never like really achieve mastery i just am like pretty good at a lot of stuff um, and so with running, I remember, I remember like this, like distinct moment where I was like, you know, I really want to commit to mastery in running. And so I just, and I love it, you know, like on so many levels, like I love being outside, being in nature, like having these really like connected and interconnected with, with the people that I'm running with these moments outside. And, and, and that's wholly aside from just the kind of inner journey of like each day kind of like, um, it's almost like meditative, you know, uh, the, oh, the yeah. practice of running. And so I guess I just committed to, to trying to realize my potential. Um, and I don't know, I still feel like, well, not even feel like, you know, I, uh, Matt, you're mentioning earlier, or, uh, 
Rob, you were mentioning earlier that I've been running with like Matt and Hayden, you know, I get like dropped by those guys on the regular. So like, it's still like really, um, humbling to run with a lot of these people, but I do hope and believe that with time and practice and dedication and definitely like humility in in terms of like training where I am, not where I want to be that like maybe one day, um, I can't, I can be competitive at the highest level, but I'm definitely not there yet, you know? So I, I was talking to, um, to Matt about you just cause I was like, man, this guy just looking through your results. I'm like, maybe it's the analytical side of my brains picking up on progression and, and how much, uh, how talented you are. He's like, yes. Um, let's see here. There's some good insights I got. So prepare yourself. Um, oh, okay. That's an awesome dude. He, he really, really is. He says um, he's been running a lot with Hayden and I, such a good dude, a bit of a foodie, played football. <laughs> and then I'm trying to see here. Oh, here, this was, he also has a world-class mustache that has, huh, inspi- yes. that has inspired me to bring mine back. Oh, <laughs> that's the best phrase I could have gotten, you know? And, you know, it's funny because I was actually inspired to grow my mustache from Matt's mustache at Black Canyon two years ago. So there you go. <laughs> I'm sure you remember that. Uh, I do. I have it in like slow-mo uh, on, on film quite yeah. often. <laughs> um, so so tell me though about, I, I want to hear more about this mental aspect that you have on, you hone in on a goal and you can basically kind of bend the world and, and, and master things. Because I know you say you don't, but you you seem to have the ability to get really good at something. What does that all entail? Do you just kind of like obsessively focus on on that thing every day until you're like, okay, I'm onto like another borderline impossible goal? And <laughs> like, tell me more about how you go about mastering or, or getting really good at things. Yeah, well, it's kind of a funny. Um funny strategy, but I think it's from, um, I guess my parents growing up, like always encouraged me pursuing like whatever activity it was that I was interested in at the time. So I did like all these different sports and activities growing up. And I think what I learned through that process and experience was how to be really good at being bad at that thing. Right. And so I, I feel like in oftentimes like people are very, and I am too, sometimes like self-critical. Um, and that is limiting, you know, because you get in your own head and you get in your own way. And, um, I've just learned how to be okay with like being in the back, so to speak, you know? So like, I'm, I'm totally okay with like going on a run with Matt. Right. And, um, I, I told him like, right, right from the beginning, it was like, dude, like, don't ever feel bad about dropping me on a climb or, or whatever. And like, it, as long as you're okay with just waiting for like a minute at the top, like I'll, I'm working super hard and I'll catch up. Um, and that, that, um, I guess, so that is how I feel in my mind. I don't get down on myself, uh, when I'm quote unquote, like holding people up or I'm not Love as it. good as someone else. Like I just, I know that I'm trying my best and that's, good enough. And usually that means I'm doing better than I did a week ago or two weeks ago or a month ago. And so I feel like in general, whether it's like playing an instrument or learning a language or 
running, right, or doing anything, if you can just be okay with where you are and try to do your best, like you'll improve, you know? And so that's, that's kind of what I do. It's like the biggest part of ultra running. That's like, yeah. that's like yeah. the philosophy of our community is like, we celebrate failure. You know, you, yep. you went out too far, uh, too fast and totally bonked and DNF'd. Yep. Like we embrace that. We love it. You tried, totally. you learned, you know, yep. <laughs> as long as you're exactly. learning as you go. I couldn't, exactly. couldn't agree with uh, all those comments more. Alyssa, what do you yeah. have? Oh no, I was going to say that's some pretty pretty great insight and uh um man really fits in with with the concept of this podcast of giving people tips. Um awesome. so yeah, really really appreciate that. You're you're hanging with Adam and Matt um or <laughs> Hayden and Matt uh yeah. enough to to videotape Matt dropping Hayden there at least <laughs> on one Instagram story. Oh yeah. Yep, that was that was quite. Aiden, I love you. That. I'm just messing with you, man. <laughs> but Adam, yeah, you, you you hung with them. I mean, what are you learning from those two guys? Oh man, well, it's uh, it's been awesome to to get to train with them. Um, it's been cool that Hayden's been out here and uh, we've been able to link up on some runs. But yeah, man, uh, we ran up Mount Evans like a couple of weeks after I'd moved here, and. Um, I remember Hayden, uh, there's like a kind of a technical rocky descent off of Mount Evans. And he was like, oh, you go ahead and get in the front, man. And I was like, you sure? And he was like, yeah, dude, like it's all good. Um, I'm having a great time out here. Like, and we were just chatting about different things, not running related. And um, one of the things he said, and we were kind of talking about is just like, you know, he and Matt um, definitely don't like put themselves up on a pedestal. Um, and they don't, they aren't like elitist, you know, and I've really, um, found that super, uh, I felt very included, you know, and felt, um, welcomed and it's just obviously like running with them, uh, is always hard, (laughs) but, uh, you know, I've, I guess I've just really, um, found it inspiring that like some of the best, uh, runners in the world can be, are, are so humble not just about their own like ability, but, um, yeah, they're just like really down to earth people that, um, love like going on adventures and, uh, yeah, it's just been like really, really fun to get to know them and, uh, and to train with them to, to get stronger. I'm wondering, awesome. Alyssa, do you have a question? I'm sorry. I keep interrupting. Oh no, 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 you're good. I was going to ask about future things, but so if you have something still in the present, that's exactly what I wanted to know. I was literally same wavelength. Yeah. I want to know more about your goals. Cause you mentioned oh. UTMB, you keep going after golden tickets. Like obviously the yep. bar is pretty low. You're just kind of like, yeah, um, <laughs> just going for like the low level. Yeah. yeah you know, <laughs> Hey, you know, you got to aim high. So I, Absolutely. uh, yeah. So definitely, uh, this coming year, uh, my a goals will be golden ticket races. I'm, uh, ho- hoping to, um, have a good showing at Bandera. That'll be fun. Um, I've never raced in Texas, so that'll be cool. Um, it's a different experience. Get, get down there to there to train at some point. If yeah. You can, man. Yeah. I'm different. hoping to go down there, yeah. um, maybe later this year, um, before the race, but, uh, yeah, definitely Bandera hope to make it happen there. Um, and if not there, then, um, maybe black Canyon, you know, I've got the course, got the course's number now, but, um, yeah, black or, uh, Bandera and black Canyon. I am also going to sign up for canyons, but, um, I, I don't know, hopefully it, it doesn't come to that, but, 
Um, either way, I think I'll sign up for uh, CCC uh, next year. Sweet. I've wa- yeah, I've wanted to do that race for uh, a couple years, and I think maybe by next year I'll be in a place where um, I can maybe do well. Um, it's never summer. It, it, it's, exactly. I swear. I, yeah. I talked to Claire Gallagher about it. Like it's literally, it oh, might even okay. be slightly easier just because it's not as oh, rough. But yeah, yeah, it's a never summer effort. Yeah, and I'll have um, you know a, a, over a year of living at altitude under my belt, so that'll help. I a lot. Hope. Yeah, yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah, but those are those are my goals, kind of um, sweet for next year's. Hopefully, Western states. Um, I've run some of that course. I'm from California. It's like such an iconic race. I'd love to participate in that. Um, and then, yeah, CCC. Do you? Think, what do you think? Go ahead, Rob. When you do a hundred, are you gonna? continue to look at your linear progression on distance and and continue forward or or is 100 uh, kind of like kind of the the max for a guy of your caliber putting that type of effort in 100 uh, percent yeah can, like would you consider beyond 100 like maybe beyond a bad water 135 or is that kind of like top oh, of the man, I don't know if I'll ever run Badwater. That race seems like so heinous with the heat. Um, <laughs> I have mad respect for anyone who's done that. But um, yeah, I um, I definitely think one day I will run more than 100 miles. Um, like I could totally see, you know, doing a 200 one day, like many years down the road, um, just to have an awesome like multi-day experience, hopefully with some friends in the mountains. Like I could totally see myself doing that one day, but yeah, for right now, man, like a hundred miles is a long way, you know, <laughs> it's yeah. a long way. It's hard. And I, I just really feel like the hundred mile distance is, uh, it's just like that distance in our sport where like, it's so dramatic, you know, there's like, it's fast enough. It's short enough where like, I mean, people like Jim and others can like crank on it, you know, and like run a super fast time. But if you like, go too hard or, or, you know, your stomach turns or whatever, like, you know, that kind of like plays out during the race and it's very oh. exciting to watch. Um, 7,000 RPM. I mean, yeah. you're like your engine yep. can blow up at any second. <laughs> exactly. Right. But it's like in the context of a day. So like as a fan or a spectator, you can kind of follow along like in a day. Um, so fun and, as a spectator. <laughs> yeah. It's, and that's not to say that longer distance stuff, I mean, it's almost like even more fun. Like I was just kind of keeping up with Courtney's attempt at the Colorado trail. And that was super cool to follow along with. Um, but for now I think, yeah, like a hundred is probably the farthest I will go for the foreseeable future. And, you know, I really hope that I'm able to earn a, earn my spot at Western States this coming year. But, you know, if not, like I'm still really um, excited to hone hone my craft at like the 50k, 50 mile, 100k distance. I mean, I think there's still a lot left to learn there for me. I mean, it seems like from your results that that's really a sweet spot um, right now, at least. Like you're yeah. really successful at that. Yeah. So, Each yeah. time you go up a distance, it's like yeah, there's different. Uh, oh. It's a different strategy, you know. Totally. It's like a, it, totally. I always think of it as like you know you you would never compare a sprinter to a marathoner and that's almost what we do with like 50 k's to 200 miles oh man like it's just yeah. such a spread yeah but. exactly and, and i feel yeah. like the further in distance you go like the more 
experience and um, mental experience really like can manifest itself and be an advantage. Absolutely. It's a doctoral level like class where you're taking, I literally, Adam, I took for like Moab 240, for instance, learning experiences from, you know, blowing up never summer hundred K and 17 and applied it at mile like 75 of Moab. Oh it's, my God. Yeah, you're applying all your previous like races, either the good stuff or the bad stuff, and you're applying as you go. It's it's a trip. It's that it's is really wild. Cool. Man. Yeah, that is so wild. And Same yeah, thing like with hundreds, I, man. Yeah, I hope one day to to maybe take a crack at some of those longer races that you've done, Rob. But yeah, that's uh, it's it's amazing. <laughs> I I mean, I'm excited to hear you say CCC. I think that. Oh, I can. It's amazing over I there. I can see some really great uh, U.S. runners making their way out there. Seriously, it's going to get as long as they can get in. Uh, it's, yeah, it's going to get good. It's going to get really cool. I know. Yeah, and I, I, you know, I hope it goes down next year um, with everything that's going on in the world. I hope we we can't we can do that. But um, yeah, it would be an awesome time. I'm telling you, I'm rooting for an American invasion. I love my <laughs> European friends, but like. We're up and coming. We're coming for it. Yes. Yeah, we got to we got to show up and represent. You'll be exactly. Adam, you'll you'll be running next year with people you've never heard of that go and ahead like, and drop you like nobody's yeah. business. I was going to say man, I keep hearing from that. So stacked. Those euros are just like so fast on the descents. Mm. Oh, they are. There's a whole another different technical means something different in Europe than it does in the US. Yeah, I got to practice, you know. I've got some good terrain here to practice on. That's awesome. So speaking of two things, speaking of FKTs, mm. since this year has kind of been <laughs> thrown through the washing machine, we'll call it that, <laughs> yeah. um, do you have anything on your radar for the rest of the year or any projects that you're you're picking up on? Um, yeah, so it's a great question. I... Um, yeah. So like I mentioned, like I just moved here to Colorado. And so it, uh, as I, I, well, I don't know if you guys know, maybe you've lived here your whole life, but it's quite different. You know, it's a lot harder running at altitude here. Um, and so, you know, there's so many really talented, strong athletes here that most of the FKTs, uh, at least a lot of the classic ones, man, they're stout, you know? And so, yeah. uh, I know it will take, six months for me to acclimatize and I'm just really excited actually for the rest of this year to just kind of focus on training. I love to train. Um, maybe, maybe I'll do some shorter races here and there, but, um, yeah, mostly just looking forward to training. I don't think, um, I don't think that I'm, I don't think I'm ready to like really give any of these FKTs like a proper shot, you know, realistically with my uphill running fitness right right now. So yeah. (laughs) I can see you out in Leadville doing some training. Have you made it out there yet or? Uh, not yet. No, I've, okay. you know, there's so much just right around here. Like I've been exploring, uh, you know, I actually just, uh, Rob, do you live in Denver? Or? Yeah. Yeah. I'm in okay. Southern Denver. Okay, cool. Yeah. So I just ran like this trail called chimney Gulch for the first time today here in golden and man, it was so awesome. You know, then that's like, you know, five minutes from my house. So do there's, that, so much, just continue. there's so much, just continue. Yeah. To explore. Yeah, like Evergreen's right there. Mount Evans is right there. Um, I just yeah. did Grays and Tories like two days ago. That's like 40 minutes away. So, yeah, I'm kind of like slowly branching out, you know? Well, on, on one of your really, really slow days, like 
back to back after you like burnt yourself out on the first one, let me know and I'll I'll head out oh, with you. Yeah, dude, anytime. <laughs> I'd, lo- I'd love to up a run yeah, on a- any day. So yeah, that that'd be great. That's awesome. I want to hear more about your. Um, I, I read a a quote on you. I I think it was in Trailrunner Magazine or their oh. online edition did something on your gear and they opened yep. it up with your philosophy was food and then running and how that's like life changing. And I, I wrote a, you know, a book that literally came to that same conclusion, like how that those two elements are so basic, but we forget like basic fitness and food. I want to hear more about your philosophy on food and what you've learned over the years. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, there's both super fundamental, you know, for me, like, um, eating well and leading an active lifestyle is just brings me so much joy and meaning in my life. Um, but I'll have to say, you know, like, uh, I said, I grew up in Monterey, like my parents are both great, great home cooks, you know, but I, I think I really like developed a, a passion for, um, preparing my own food, um, from my friend Ryan Cronin, whose father is a Swiss master chef and, and he had worked in, many restaurants yeah so like they it kind of runs deep in their family you know they are really um they have this like amazing culinary acumen you know this like sense and um instinct and yeah i just learned from my friend ryan like maybe three four years ago like how how you can make really delicious and healthy food from very basic ingredients um it doesn't have to be expensive um it it and it's just like just I just really got um, interested in and passionate about taking uh, you know normal kind of um, ingredients you can find anywhere and turning them into something really delicious and healthy. Um, and those two things aren't mutually exclusive. You know, oftentimes in our culture they're kind of represented that way. But um, I think it's changing like these days. But um, yeah, I think I mentioned in that article like uh, the book from Shalane Flanagan. And Elise Kopecky, um, Run Fast, Eat Slow. Mm-hmm. Those, yeah, it's a great book. Oh, so good, right? There's so yeah. many recipes in this book that are, and, and they may, they released uh, another edition or a, a kind of a variant that that has some more like easily approachable recipes that don't have these mm-hmm. kind of weird ingredients that are hard to find. But the point is like um, using whole foods and um, just taking a little bit of time to prepare a meal. Like you can have something really really delicious and pretty affordable and, uh, and healthy and, and it can fuel your active lifestyle. And so I've just kind of really experienced the, the harmony of those two disciplines or pursuits, if you will. And, um, it's super fun to cook, you know, give, give us an example. Like what, yeah, what are you I, making I like during a, a decent training block? Cause uh, I mean, I love it. Well, I mean, honestly, I never heard of a Swiss. What was it? Swiss master. Swiss master chef. Dude, I've never even heard of that. That's crazy awesome. Chef. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, and the things he makes are um, things that I could, uh, you know, would take many years of, of dedication to, to prepare. But um, yeah, you know, um, let's see. So during a training block, I mean, I usually eat a lot of um, pasta or like uh, grain bowls. Um, so I actually, one of my favorites that's, I think in, in, uh, that run fast, eat slow cookbook, um, they have this bowl section where you can make different el- elements and then combine them into a bowl. Um, but yeah, I, there's this grain called farro, um, that's 
that's kind of a larger grain. Um, and, but you can just, uh, you, you can actually just cook, boil it, you know, just like you would cook rice on the stovetop. It's super easy. You can buy it at Trader Joe's. It's very inexpensive. Um, good. yeah, it's super good. Right. And, um, yeah. so I'll, I'll do that with like, uh, tempeh, uh, that I'll cook, uh, in a cast iron, you know, just with some olive oil, salt and pepper. Um, and if you cut those up kind of small, then you can crisp them a little bit better. Um, or you can cut them large and they're kind of like steaks. Uh, and then, yeah, I'll just, I'll usually throw some vegetables into that kind of bowl, like whatever I have laying around, like Brussels sprouts, you know, you can bake those. Um, and then, yeah, in, in this uh, Run Fast Eat Sell Cookbook, they have a lot of um, sauces. So one that is really delicious that I recommend you try is uh, this um, creamy ginger cashew sauce. Uh, it's so good. It's basically like cashews that you toast, uh, olive oil, lemon, salt, pepper, like that kind of profile. I think there might be garlic in there as well. But yeah, you just blend it in a food processor and then you can top that top your bowl with that sauce. Um, and so things like that, you can prepare kind of, uh, and they last for several days and that sauce you can freeze and then you can reconstitute it later. So those are things that, um, that I like to make. Uh, but then also, you know, like even simple stuff, like one thing I miss living here in golden, uh, we don't have a Trader Joe's like right nearby. Um, I used to shop there all the time, but like the Southwest salad, I'm not going to lie, man. Like I would eat that like almost every day for lunch and just put like avocado in there and like some extra stuff. And it's just oh, delicious, you know? Yeah. Okay. So following that up and I could do a whole film with you on that if you're interested. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah is, is, uh, <laughs> what, what did you learn from your years? It was years, right? Or months in Japan. Um, oh, yeah. and, and yeah. did that affect your, your food pre- preferences and, or, or maybe like the mental aspect of running, like what oh, tips man. and tricks did you learn there? Like wisdom, I guess. Cause I, I'm a big fan of a lot of the culinary. Like I have miso soup almost every day. I see you on Instagram <laughs> and I'm like, what's going on over there? Mom, I'm sorry. Mom has sushi and miso every I'm like, single day. I'm like meditating every day and eating miso soup. Awesome. Like I swear I'm from the United States. Um, oh, that's amazing. What would you pick up there? Um, yeah, so I, I got the opportunity to go there for the first time in high school. I was super lucky. My high school had this like all expenses paid exchange program to Japan to the an all boys high school. So that was like during this American summer, you know, so it was like two months in Japan. Um, and I knew like nothing about Japan or Japanese culture, really. I had taken Japanese for a year at high school and then like went to Japan for two months. Um, and living there with a host family who um, I became super close with and I still stay in touch with uh, today, like, it was just, it's so different. I'm, have you have either of you guys been to Japan before? Not yet. Yeah, i just flown through it, but not, uh, not spent a lot of time. You have to go. I mean, Rob, if you like the food, like, dude, it's just an, on another guess, level. There, there's a North Face race out there that I'm yeah. really focused in on at some point uh, in my life. And yeah, the food. Oh. Yeah, the food is awesome. So yeah, my host mom would cook, you know, home cook like all these amazing meals and bento boxes for us to bring to school. And I remember um, she would wake up at like, you know, five o'clock and uh, prepare a fresh meal, like, and then pack it into bento boxes for us to bring to school. Um, And so just seeing that kind of dedication to cooking like 
at that level, like, you know, cause growing up in the American culture, like, you know, it's like a peanut butter sandwich and some stuff in a bag, you know, in, in your lunchbox. But it's just so different in Japan that, um, I think that kind of like maybe like stuck with me a little bit. And then just in general, you know, I learned a hundred percent in Japan, um, the concept of academic discipline. Like I did really poorly in high school. I'll be the first to admit that until I went to Japan and then senior year, I did a really well because I saw my, how hard my host brothers worked um, at school. They'd stay up till like two or three a.m. studying. And in America, like at least the people I was around, yeah. it's like we didn't do that, you know. Totally. Um, yeah. So just I think what I learned from Japan was just like, yeah, like working hard and being disciplined um, is a good thing, and you can still have fun um, and definitely cut loose, um, often, but yeah, just that kind of like focal point of discipline in life being a, a positive thing. I kind of experienced there. Not, not too much sake, I assume. Yeah, I'm no, well, not then. yeah, well, but I went back to college for a year. Um, and there was definitely sake, sake, for the vending machine, sake uh, during yeah. that year. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And they have these like no me hold eye places, which are like all you can drink kind of experiences. Oh, you so pay like a set fee and then you have an hour to drink as much as you want. So, oh, gosh. so you've done some karaoke too. <laughs> oh yeah, dude. I, that's the follow up, right? <laughs> yeah. If I have a couple beers, like I can be convinced, but yeah. <laughs> uh, so we would love to hear um, some gear, especially now that you've moved to Colorado. Um, what have you found has been working for you in the mountains? Like you go feet to feet to head. Toe socks, yeah. no toe socks. Yeah, he's got to oh, yeah. get it in there. You know, I've got the, I've got a pair of Injinji socks, and they work well. Um, to, to be honest, man, like I don't know if it's just me, but putting on socks in general is kind of like <laughs> hard, <laughs> and so the toe socks are like extra hard, you know. So I, I kind of like don't wear them as often as I might. But oh, 100 um, kilometers isn't hard, but man, socks. <laughs> but I socks, could do it on yeah. one. I could do it on one foot at this point. Like. Uh. Yeah, that's impressive. That, that's impressive. Maybe I need to work on my balance. My, my PT would tell me that. But um, yeah, no, I I wear. I found I've had good luck with Drymax socks. They work pretty well for me. Um, and I've you know especially going through creeks or whatever, they work well. Um, yeah, in the mountains, usually I bring a, a hydration pack that can carry two 500 milliliter bottles. Um, I have a, a Solomon pack that does that, but you know most packs do that these days. Um, one thing I've wanted to try that I haven't uh, purchased yet are those inline filters, you know, for your bottle. Because um, yeah. currently, I'll just bring uh, a liter, right, of water, and um, and that's it. And I try to put if it's a longer effort or it's going to be hard, like uh, I'll put hydration mix in both and just you know hope that that carries me through. And it usually can for about twenty miles um, in the mountains, and and uh, I eat. Uh, spring energy i love their products because it's food you know I, I ate goo for a long time and, and it's still great for for certain um, types of efforts but you or at least i would never eat a goo like in the car or like voluntarily if i didn't like need it to run but spring i would you know it's like pretty good it tastes good um so that uh stuff i enjoy and then um yeah i think 
Oh yeah, those sunglasses, Rob, that you were commenting on, they're like Oakley yeah. jawbreakers that I bought like several years ago for, for cycling. It but look, they, they look serious. Like, <laughs> they like we're talking serious. like three seconds per mile due to it, aerodynamics. It could be. <laughs> it, could be. <laughs> it could be, you know, and they, they just provide really good um, protection, you know, in the sun and they, they're really large. And so, um, and I've, you know, I've been using those every day for like probably three or four years and still the same pair. So, um, yeah, I always bring those and, um, nice. I think that's pretty much it, you know? That's, that's awesome to hear. Um, I, I will just quickly mention, I think it's called Caden is the maker of this yeah. flask that's I've, I've used during the triple crown. It's like 40 bucks on Amazon or something. Uh, it's it. a lifesaver. So yep. that, or like a life straw is worst case scenario, but dude, yes. just, just take a Caden bottle, kind of like, don't fill it up, just shrink it up, put it in the back of your pack in case oh, you that's need a it. Great idea. It's that's super a great idea. lightweight. And yeah, I drank the sketchiest water you've ever seen by mount st helens and it, it does a really good job so i recommend that one wow. um, i'll definitely check that out and then so more importantly than that what's what's your uh, favorite beer you have a favorite beer uh, now that you're in colorado pressure's well, on I, right i will say <laughs> you know, so i love all kinds of beers but um Dude, so New Terrain Brewery is super popular here, man. Like every time I go, whether, like regardless of the time of day, there's like hundreds of people there. Um, but yeah, I yeah, I love that really place. Like, <laughs> I really like the Golden Haze IPA from them. Um, nice. That's a really really good one. Um, and then on the lighter side of things, um, actually from one of those Trail Runner Mag articles about beer and like kind of electrolyte rich. Uh, hydrating beers post run that came out recently. Um, I got into, um, I think it's called Sequench from Dogfish Head. I know not Colorado, but um, it's like a black sea salt lime sour, but it's like four and a half percent. Dude, it's super uh, refreshing. Nice, really nice. Yeah. So, from a lighter note to Last question I have, and Alyssa, yeah. if you have something else, feel free to jump on at the end. But last kind of like words of wisdom I want to hear because you've experienced so much of life so far, and it seems like you're about to just take off um, with running and everything in general. Like, like last words of wisdom that you have for the listener. Um, yeah, I guess uh, I guess one one thing i would say is just um in maybe this sounds cliche but like enjoying the journey and the process um i just really have found so much meaning through very ordinary running um that i would do around my home in monterey um like 5 mile runs in the forest by myself and i just really feel like um there's so much that you can learn about yourself um, and about how to be um, a better person to those around you and to yourself um, through running, you know? And uh, I guess I would just say like, it, it's almost like, you know, if you can really um, embrace that uh, paradigm or attitude about like just running or kind of the daily um, gift you give to your, to yourself of being active being enough, then whatever results follow will also be enough. Um, and so I guess that would be my advice is just like, 
just enjoy where you are and and uh, maybe experiencing um, some running or races with with good friends. Love That's it. great advice. Yeah, enjoy your training, as as Rob would say. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. More simply put, you know. No, that was that was great. Really, thank you. So, where where can we? follow you and hopefully cheer you on to a golden ticket. And I know uh, both Rob and I need to catch up with you. Yeah. seriously. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm on, uh, Strava at Adam. It's just Adam Mary. If you type that in, um, M E R R Y like Merry Christmas. And then, um, a Mary runner on Instagram again, a M E R R Y runner. That's, That's really perfect. <laughs> it's yeah. easy to remember. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's a good one. Yeah, so those are the two social media platforms that I'm I'm on. Adam, I, I know we, Alyssa and I both really enjoyed speaking with you, and there's so many nuggets of wisdom within this hour that we stopped, we talked, and and definitely stay in touch. We uh, yeah, there's a lot more to be learned, and I can't wait to follow your journey in the next year or two. So I know there's awesome. big things ahead for you. So. Thank you both. And yeah, again, just thanks again for um, the invitation to be on the podcast. I, I'm a, a big fan and uh, yeah, it's been been my pleasure. So thank you. And that was episode 145. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Big thanks to Adam Mary for taking so much of his time. Thanks as always to Alyssa Clark for co-hosting. Big shout out to the Patreon supporters. And thank you to the show sponsors, Hammer Nutrition, Kogala, Exoskin, Destination Trail. Have a great week. We should have another episode out fairly shortly here, but don't forget to enjoy your training. See you guys.